from Transport Topics in Washington, D.C. This is Road Signs. Here is your host, Seth Clevenger. Thank you for listening to Road Signs, the podcast series from Transport Topics that explores the trends and technologies that are shaping the future of trucking. In this episode, we're going to explore how freight brokers and third-party logistics providers are using technology to optimize capacity and make good pricing decisions in a volatile market. During the past couple of years, the disruptions caused by COVID and the economic rebound from the pandemic have placed a great deal of stress on supply chains. At times, it has been very difficult for shippers to find enough trucks to move their freight, and we've seen dramatic fluctuations in the spot market. To survive and thrive in these conditions, it's more important than ever for brokers to build better business relationships with their carriers so all parties can succeed together. So how can 3PLs use technology to better navigate this complex business environment and improve their partnerships with carriers? To help us answer that question, we're going to bring in two industry experts. Later in the program, we'll hear from Don salvucci Favier, CEO and Chief Product Officer at Greenscreens AI, a dynamic freight pricing system for logistics companies. But first, we're excited to welcome Anthony Satarja, CEO of Parade, a capacity management platform for freight brokers. Thank you for joining us, Anthony. Thanks for having me. So in recent years, of course, we've seen a great deal of investment in freight technology, and that includes a lot of startups, a lot of new players entering the industry in recent years. And Parade, of course, is a, is a good example of that. So I think to, just to start off, you know, could you just tell us a little bit more about the company's origins and what opportunity did you see when you co-founded the business back in 2015? Sure. We, uh, we started in 2015 under a totally different business. And me and my co-founders were all technologists. My background particularly is in building software applications. And when we got into it, my co-founder, Preet, his uncle drives a truck, and we thought, watched him while we watched him call email his broker and said this is crazy we can change this and so we came in trying to build a better freight brokerage and much like a lot of other uh, technology companies coming into the space back then and and essentially operated a digital enabled freight brokerage but what we found at the end of the day was that there's so much of these freight brokers out there and they're doing just great. They're the market makers in this industry for really being able to build strong relationships and service a specific niche. And what they really need in this space isn't just another freight broker is really, they just need better tools. And as we looked at, you know, over the, you might've seen this across the last few years as well, where you've got Uber Freight, you've got Convoy, these other digital freight brokers in the space beating the drum on, hey, let's go kill the freight brokers, replace them with apps and websites. And I think we all know now that's not really how this industry works. It's very service-driven, very relationship-based. And so for the rest of the 17,000 freight brokers out there, we thought, hey, there's an opportunity here to enable the the mom and pop broker, the mid-market freight broker, to have best-in-class tools to join this digital revolution. Uber Freight, Convoy, some of the top enterprise brokerages like CH Robinson, Coyote, Echo, they've all built amazing technologies for themselves to operate digitally. But as the whole industry goes digital, let's make sure the little guys aren't left behind, the mid-market guys aren't left behind. And so we pride ourselves in 
where we are today in enabling brokers to go digital. How do we help them buy and sell truckload capacity online? And they do that today using Parade, what we call a capacity management system. And uh, we hope to continue to enable these people to be the best at what they do with digital tools. Yeah, well, thank you for that overview. And you know, to your point, you know, the, the freight transportation industry is so fragmented. There are so many small and medium-sized companies and, you know, bringing some of the, some similar technologies and capabilities to, um, you know, the rest of the market, you know, that we already see at, you know, the very top of the market, uh, you know, it does seem like a, an opportunity for so many companies to, to work smarter and, and more efficiently. And, you know, I want to get a little, a little bit more into capacity. So let's talk about how freight brokers uh, source capacity today and, you know, the opportunity you see for them to do this more efficiently. So how can technology help brokers strengthen their carrier networks and also build more repeat business rather than, you know, the one and done relationships that we sometimes see? Yeah. You know, I think um, before we ask uh, how, I think it's also important to ask why, like, why do we want to build stronger carrier relationships for the broker and for the broker that really enables them certainty to price certainty to serve their end customers where if they've built up really great relationships and have a lot of great business uh, with carriers in say um, the south texas region and they really understand their book of carriers well, a customer, a shipper will be more interested and feel more confident in their ability to serve. And also the broker feels a lot more confident in their ability to actually fulfill the price because otherwise we're going out to the load boards, uh, which is a, a primary way of operating, but the spread of what you might get out there may not fall into a profitable uh, booking for the broker. So. Yeah, sometimes you might rip out and make 20, 25% gross margin, but that's only because sometimes you're also taking negative 5% gross margin because you didn't have that right relationship. And so we think that by developing tighter carrier relationships with your core network as a broker, that helps the broker control costs, helps them have certainty and predictability and what kind of prices they should be issuing to their shippers. And that ultimately is, I think, a better business for the shipper, the broker, and the carriers that they serve. And so that, that's, that's the why I think, you know, how they do that today, uh, that's the problem we're fixing. I think it's very broken in that these people are really great uh, at these brokerages in building 10, 20 or so relationships with core carriers. But the tools that they have doesn't really enable them to truly scale. Why isn't this, why can't a person be managing 100, 200, 1,000 carrier relationships at one time? And it's because the, the technology just hasn't kept up with the needs of a lot of these brokers. And so instead, they're reverting back to, all right, well, if I don't have the relationships, got to go to the load boards, got to go find these one and done carriers. And I think... Um, I think we're here to help them uh, find better ways to build up those relationships faster, manage them more quickly, and ultimately uh, help them grow their business. Yeah, sure. And you know, another sort of uh, macro trend I want to get into, uh, of course, is this uh, trend toward uh, business process automation. 
you know, of course, we see that across the board, um, you know, as a way to, to operate more efficiently. But, you know, how can capacity management help brokers and, and 3PLs start to automate more of that booking process? Yeah. And so booking automation to us means that the carrier can go self-transact by themselves without having to call the broker, check the requirements. Broker feels like this carrier can do the load. They have the right insurance requirements too, and they figure out a rate. And then, uh, then they send the rate confirmation, make sure it gets signed. All these steps just add a lot of unnecessary friction in transacting between the broker and carrier. And so booking automation compresses that down. Usually it takes you know, about an hour uh, at most to find the right truck, negotiate, do all the what I just said to cover one load per person in, in an hour. And I think by streamlining that process, the booking automation can compress that down to essentially a single click. And I, the way we think about that at parade for a lot of our customers is in two camps. There's booking automation with your core carriers. So I already know and trust this trucking company and the service levels that they provide. They know how to use the tracking tools that we've purchased as well. And so let's let them self-service. And what we do at Parade is we, we spin up what we call this white-labeled carrier portal where each broker can enable their carriers to come in, find the right opportunities, self-service, and transact online. And that's, that's one way of book, driving towards more booking automation. But, you know, it's still important to work with all of these carriers that are out there on the load boards. And how do we work with them more efficiently? Because... Right now, that's what's getting slammed into the carrier sales reps call queue, where a bunch of carriers are interested, they're dialing in, they have no option to digitally bid or digitally book. And Parade's changed that. So we've integrated with DAT, we've integrated with a lot of these other load boards and carrier marketplaces in a digital first approach, which means that the broker, when they post freight out to DAT, they're not, the carriers there the call to action isn't just to call or email back the broker when they're interested, it's to digitally book, digitally bid, and enable that booking automation. So whether you're using some of the one-and-done carriers or carriers out there on these uh, carrier networks or load boards, or you're developing your own private network carriers, booking automation needs to support transacting with all these different audiences, no matter where carriers do business. Now, another big trend, uh, again, this is a technology trend that really applies to virtually every industry, but you know, we see a lot in, uh, in trucking and, and freight as well, and that's artificial intelligence and machine learning. Uh, so, you know, we big you know, topic of conversation, uh, technology shows, but uh, you know, how do you see AI and ML changing the freight transportation sector in the future? And, and how are you applying it at Parade? I, I think as more things get digital, um, more and more opportunities present itself on uh, enabling machine learning and AI to truly enable these people to do business or analyze situations more efficiently with more confidence. Um, I think that I think that a lot of people seem to think AI and ML are this black box where, hey, we've got this magical box that it's uh, it's going to go. F the AI is going to go figure out and cover all your freight. That 
that's I, I, that's that's a great vision, but that's just not how it works. And I think that you know here at Parade, we think that all these big problems. So that is a big problem. How do I find the right truck for every single load? And at Parade, we break that into very small problems, and then apply ML and AI in very targeted ways across the life cycle of the workflow when finding a truck. Um, to enable the brokers to operate faster. I'll give you some examples. One, we enable the broker to supercharge their ability to read carrier emails. So broker gets hundreds of truck list emails from carriers saying, hey, I've got a truck in Dallas. Some of them screenshot their TMS and then send it over to their freight broker. And we built this NLP and AI technology that will actually read the emails, process it, structure it for available capacity information. So, hey, okay, we know they have Dallas uh, and that you then use predictive machine learning to look at past trends of this trucking company to see that they didn't tell us it was a dry van, but we think they probably have a dry van given that the last 10 loads that they did was a dry van. And that enables the broker to suddenly read these hundreds of emails without having to actually lift a finger and store that data so that they can use it for later. But then most importantly, get back to the carrier. Hey, I do have five opportunities uh, out in Dallas. Uh, I know that you also like to go to the Southeast and help just really facilitate the conversation faster so that these people can do more um, with more, more carriers. So that's one example. Other examples is in just trying to, I just mentioned it in helping them understand the, the dirty data that they get as that the carrier doesn't actually tell you a lot oftentimes of what they really want. And so we'll use uh, ways of predicting where they wanna go so that we can help inform the broker, hey, of the all the outbound opportunities in Dallas, they really just wanna go to the Southeast. You should just tell them, uh, try to sell these Southeast opportunities back to them. So there's this different ways and that's all across the platform. I'm just naming a few. Um, but that I think uh, a platform has to leverage uh, AI and ML in very targeted ways to build, at the end of the day, what is the objective. And for us, it's to help brokers find trucks, automate some more of the booking process, and then ultimately using data so that they can go uh, win more business. Yeah. I mean, if you have the, the right information in front of you and you see it fast enough and understand it, you can you know, act that much more uh, quickly and, and efficiently as a business you know, with the right uh, uh, decision support tools. So it's a pretty, uh, uh, it, it is pretty fascinating to see how uh, software in general has developed and, and the way it's being applied in, in our industry. From time to time, an issue commands so much of the industry's attention that it requires a deeper dive, a resource readers can turn to, a transport topic special report. We're turning our attention to another big issue, electrification and the key factors that will drive this industry trend. In every case, we're working to provide our readers with information, analysis, and clarity on key issues confronting fleets. One comprehensive resource packed with insights that can give you the edge. Transport Topics invites you to learn more about our special reports. To reserve your copy of the latest special report, visit ttn.ws forward slash electrification. Uh, I did want to talk to you a little bit more about uh, the freight market, uh, you know, trends specifically. 
you know, looking back at last year, uh, of course, I mean, 2021 was just really a, a banner year for brokers. Uh, freight demand was really strong during the economic recovery from the pandemic. Uh, at the same time, capacity was very tight. Uh, so shippers were just really struggling to find uh, trucks. And, you know, this year uh, we, we've seen the market, you know, has been turning and, and capacity has loosened up uh, quite a bit. So uh, from your vantage point and, and from what you hear from from your customers, you know, how is this changing the way that brokers are thinking about sourcing capacity? And uh, what do you think uh, companies are going to need to do you know, to, to adjust to the shift in the freight market uh, moving forward? Yeah, I appreciate the question. I think uh, let's not forget that last year was very abnormal, uh, skyrocketing demand. And I think a lot of it due to um, post-pandemic uh, bursts in demand. And so I think relatively looking pre-pandemic, we're still at pretty elevated levels of freight. Um, yeah, it's, it's not the peak that we just saw, but you compare year over years, it's still up there. And I think another thing that we look at is also uh, just where the suppliers' inventories are at, and they haven't even recovered as well, where inventories are still all-time low. They're rising, but compare it to pre-pandemic levels, compare it to even the Great Recession in 08, we're nowhere near towards where inventories levels were, and that means things need to continue to get shipped, things need to get continue to restock. And so we think that demand continues to uh, be pretty stable throughout the next year. Uh, but, you know, say it does soften up further, um, how does this change how a broker should think about um, sourcing capacity? And I think the freight markets are cyclical and the, there's no better opportunity if we head into even a softer environment um, to build strong carrier relationships as the, the carriers that you develop relationships now with are the ones that are going to stick with you when things are tight as well. And I mean, case, case in point, just this past year, how many of your carriers really stuck around with you to, to move uh, a key lane that you needed or did you, were you just paying out the window going out to, to the boards or the, the open spot market? And so I think that over the next year, should there be softening, I think it's just a great opportunity to really double down on building carrier relationships, find the right carrier. Maybe you want to diversify that set of carriers on a key lane that you serve for uh, a particular customer. And then when times are tough, uh, or things are tight, again, uh, you can better rely on the carriers that you develop relationships with. And, you know, another part of the experience of these past uh, two years has been all the supply chain disruptions. Uh, you know, we've seen a lot of port congestion, of course, and uh, shortages of uh, certain products and materials. Uh, you know, the latest one is uh, baby formula. I'm uh, a parent of an infant myself, so I can you know, feel that one firsthand. But there's many examples of, uh, you know, shelves being uh, a bit more, uh, you know, products uh, availability a bit more sparse than in the past, uh, as well as all the labor shortages. And, you know, that, that applies to, to trucking and transportation as well as many other industries. But you know, how do you think that those experiences uh, of all these, you know, 
disruptions have, have changed the way the companies are thinking about their supply chains moving forward? It's been a wake-up call, I think, for a lot of manufacturers and um, a lot of retailers. I think across the board, we've seen shortages, and I think that these companies and for this U.S. supply chain as a whole, we'll see far more investment into supply chain and trying to make sure we can not only have efficient supply chain, but also resilient supply chains as well. And I think that benefits just all participants within supply chain, transportation also as well, really rethinking what does it mean to really invest uh, within my supply chain and uh, ensure that we don't have a situation where we're not able to get to the end consumer. Um, so it's, 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 it's a bigger problem than just transport. You know, it goes down to all everything towards the suppliers and even raw materials. But I think uh, people just as a whole, more investment into supply chain. Yeah, I think so. And uh, a greater focus on uh, resilience, you know, not just speed and efficiency at times. Uh, yeah, I think that the experience and the shock to the system you know, is, is changing some uh, perspectives on that. And, you know, going back to the beginning of our conversation, you know, we've seen a great deal of technology adoption in the trucking and logistics industry, but one of the challenges that naturally comes up is the need to connect all these systems so companies can fully utilize the data efficiently. So at, at Parade, I'm curious to hear how you think about integrating with customers' TMS systems and maybe some other applications and technologies that they're using. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think this is the core and secret ingredients of what made Parade successful today, where we think that there is a lot of exciting innovation happening across the board. And how do we make sure that these innovations are really connecting together, working together to provide more value for, in our case, enabling our brokers to uh, gain more efficiencies, find trucks faster, book more freight. And the way we think about this is, first and foremost, the, the TMS. TMS is that core tried and true operating system for the freight broker. And we layer on top of the TMS. And so we've worked with all these different TMSs out there, McCloud, Algex, uh, Ty, and uh, many others as well. And we've layered on top in a way to supercharge the capabilities of the freight broker to buy and sell truckload capacity. A lot of other problems that the, the brokers focused on uh, enabling and providing service for their end customers and helping out the carriers. But at, at its core, how do we just help the broker buy and sell truckload capacity? And so we've worked with TMS partners closely on defining what APIs look like to transact in the digital future, what carrier data truly needs to get stored and help accelerate the process of storing more carrier data, uh, enabling brokers to truly transact digitally at scale. But also it's connecting with the rest of the freight tech ecosystem. And so you've got these carrier onboarding tools out there like RMIS, My Carrier Packets. All right, how, do, how does that data fit into my digital booking workflows? How do I ensure that I can verify that these carriers have the right insurance policies and Parade connects that data in and enables our brokers to automatically verify um, that information with a single click. And then how do I know I'm not paying 
uh, am I paying market rates? And so being able to plug into the best in class uh, rating indices like DAT rate view, for example, and making sure that the, the rate data is brought into the single system. Um, but then I think most excitingly that what we've led and spearheaded on here at Parade is connecting to all the innovation happening in the trucking company space where there's a lot of investment, not in just these digital freight brokerages, but also uh, the truckers themselves and enabling them to run a better lifestyle, run their own businesses. So there's things like cloud trucks, uh, some of these companies that, that are digital dispatch services like Smart Hop, they're building a new technology platform and softwares for the truckers to run their business. And we're working with every single one of these new innovative companies to connect these owner operators and these truckers that are running their own businesses in a more effective way to our freight broker customers so that they can better transact, they can better um, run recurring lanes digitally uh, between our systems. And so when we think about integration, it's integration on not only the existing systems out there that our brokers use, but also the different systems that carriers are now starting to use or or even older systems that they've used in the past or these marketplaces that they've used in the past and how do we make sure that they're all connected under one platform. That's what we do for our customers in the sole goal of helping them buy and sell truckload capacity. For sure. And you know, before we wrap up here, uh, I always like to end on a, a forward-looking question. So I'd like to hear your thoughts on the future of logistics and supply chain management. So you know, when you think ahead, you know, a decade from now, how do you imagine shippers, brokers, and carriers will interact from with each other? And you know, how much more automated will that be? And how much more efficient will it be? Lots will change in the next 10 years. I, we think that what we're building here at Parade has a lot to contribute towards that, particularly for the freight brokers, where we've got this internal mantra here where we understand the reality is today, top brokerages, maybe they can do 15 loads per day per person. Um, and that's, that's on the higher end. We want to make these people get to a thousand loads per day per person. And that's, you know, a, a big step function change a little out there, but with the right technology, if you can truly manage relationships at scale, can find the right trucks digitally, not have to negotiate every conversation over the phone, but over um, a terminal like interface, well, then you can achieve that kind of scale. And so as people get better at operating their businesses, um, it, it, the, the technology helps make the transaction more efficient so that they can do that. People often bundle the transaction or the work of doing the transaction with relationship building. That's, that's what it is today. And so as technology gets better, you can really start to separate that out, let people operate at scale, do thousands of loads per day per person, and have people really drive forward on deeper services, deeper relationship building working with a customer as a broker, you know, how, how do I provide best in class service? I've got the transport, but are there other things that I can help coordinate and make sure things uh, really go smoothly and take on even more business for you? And so we, we think that 
Uh, technology will help people operate at scale. Brokers will do a lot more freight per person in the future, but that also gives them the luxury to then also expand into other service lines and really become trusted partners with uh, their whatever their niche and core um, audience looks like in terms of uh, who they serve. Yeah, uh, well, for sure, the opportunities are, are pretty uh, uh, fascinating and, uh, you know, it will be uh, really interesting to see this all evolve uh, in the coming years. Uh, this has been a, a really good conversation, Anthony, but I think that's a good place to leave it. So, um, you know, again, you know, thank you for joining the podcast and, and sharing your insights. Really appreciate it uh, having you on. Thanks, Seth. Thanks for having me. Transport topics in one word, authoritative knowledge outstanding reliable we ask transport topics readers to describe us in one word informative informative integrity the bible authoritative the authority transportation information that's two but i, I, I gotta have it both physically large yes. <laughs> oh that's two words visit influence.ttnews.com forward slash say hello to find out what they're talking about Next on Road Signs, we're very excited to welcome Don Salvucci Favier, CEO and Chief Product Officer at Green Screens AI, which provides a dynamic freight pricing system for logistics companies. Thanks for joining us, Don. Thanks so much for having me, Seth. A pleasure to be here. So technology adoption, of course, has really been transforming the way that shippers, carriers, and brokers do business together. And that includes a growing focus on freight pricing and market intelligence, especially when you consider all the freight market volatility we've seen over the past two years you know, during the pandemic. So, Don, what factors do you see driving this greater emphasis on freight rate visibility, and what are you hearing from your customers? Yeah, Seth, I mean, look, for all the bad that came from the pandemic era, um, as a longtime supply chain geek, I think that this is maybe one of the few positive outcomes in that it's really put a spotlight on the need for supply chain resilience, and, and rates are really a big part of that. Uh, we've seen a sustained period of historically high rates that at the beginning caused a lot of carriers and LSPs to really be underwater on their contracts with their shippers. And while many were able to renegotiate those, some were not. Um, and ultimately, everyone needed to adapt to higher prices um, you, you know, we, that we've seen over the past 18 to 24 months, but at the expense of many companies' budgets and certainly consumer prices, right? Um but now the tables are turning again, and, and as they always do, right? Like I said, we, we've just come through with freight rates that were historically high from both the increase and the duration of the cycle. But at the end of the day, it's just that. It's just another cycle that this isn't new. We, we've gone through this every two to three years, and experts are predicting that, you know, there's, there's going to be yet many more of these cycles. So my hope is that the lesson that we've learned from all of this from the past couple of years is that shippers and carriers and LSPs will begin to establish more true partnerships. And partnership is a word that gets thrown around, which usually means give me lower rates, right? Um, but more true partnerships that will allow all parties to ride the wave together and establish more sustainable relationships that aren't just price driven. Yeah, certainly is a, a cyclical industry. But you know, if collaboration can find ways to ease some of those cycles and, and help everybody win. Uh, that seems to be a real opportunity you know, in our industry. And looking more specifically at green screens, your pricing platform combines aggregated market data, as well as your customers own data internally to 
come up with these predictive freight market pricing uh, that's uh, really specific to that spe you know specific broker or 3PL. So could you just tell us a little bit more about how that works? You know, how do you combine those different data sources to produce your freight rate information? So there's really three primary inputs into our machine learning engine. The first is, as you said, the customer's own um, historical price and, and volume data. The second would be the aggregated data of the Green Screens network. So all of our customers are submitting their data and that data gets cleaned and anonymized um, and used to inform the engine. And then the third input is external third-party data, such as economic indicators and volume indicators that are more an indication of supply and demand and market activity than price. So when we bring a new customer into our network, network, the first thing we do is we work with that customer to sanitize that data using some adjustable data filters that are really intended to protect the algorithm from potentially dirty data or outliers. Uh, outliers being, you know, maybe that last minute load that you need to move at any cost or uh, that screaming great rate that you get from a carrier just because you've created a backhaul opportunity for him or her that aren't really representative of what a true market rate would be. Obviously, we don't want those influencing the algorithm. And there's some other things that, that we're filtering for too. But once that data is cleansed um, and analyzed, we use a year or more of that company's history to teach our machine learning model about the buying behavior and the characteristics and the freight mix of that, that company. As the customer then continues to book new freight, that data continues to be updated and cleansed on at least a daily basis. And the algorithm is continuously retrained and relearning about what is happening, not only within that company, but again, within the aggregated data within the green screens network and the third party data that we're bringing in. So all of the customer's data, as I said, is, is anonymized and aggregated so that all of that data is used to predict a highly accurate rate for each individual customer based on their own specific buying power and behavior against what the rest of the, the network and the market is doing. Um, so the customer not only receives a personalized target, target buy rate of what they're going to pay a carrier, um, but also has visibility to the optimized network rate. And they can also see how their buying or their, their target rate compares to where the network is buying. Um, and we also use confidence scores and carrier acceptance data to show a user how easy or hard it would be to secure capacity at that rate. So the algorithm says this is the rate you should be paying and here's how hard or easy it's going to be to actually buy at that rate. And then finally, we're also providing our customers with a suggested sell price. So we're not telling them, not only telling them the rate they should buy at, but also a suggested sell rate. And that sell price is really a markup of that optimized buy rate, with that markup being determined either by rules the customer has established for their business or based on their historic win rate and margin for that lane or for that customer. Sure. And, you know, you've touched on this already, but companies today, of course, are just gathering vast amounts of data, you know, and some of the companies out there are beginning to use artificial intelligence and machine learning to help filter and translate some of that information into something that's really actionable, you know, something that's a real business insight. And green screens, I think, is a clear example of that trend. So just tell us how your company is utilizing AI and machine learning, and how do you see AI and ML expanding in the future? Yeah, so 
I, I'm really excited about the application of for true AI and, and ML that I'm seeing in our industry today. And honestly, what really drew me to green screens and, and you know, made me want to join the company is that I felt this was the first truly practical application of next generation technology like AI and ML for our industry. So I already kind of talked about how the machine learning engine can learn from large amounts of data about the behavior of a market or an individual company to get to a really accurate result. But if you think of machine learning from the perspective of taking your very best pricing person in your organization and being able to codify the knowledge and thought process that that individual may go through when they're pricing freight. I mean, as a veteran who's been doing this for a long time, they have a thought process. They know what markets behave similarly. They kind of just instinctively know that. So that's really what machine learning is doing. However, unlike the human brain, an ML engine is able to process vast amounts of data very quickly and in, in an unassisted manner. So I recently had the opportunity to participate in a panel at TIA, which I, I think you were at, Seth, um, where one of my co-panelists from the cloud actually explained it quite well. And, and really what he said was, imagine as a human being in a room with 150 people and each of those 150 people are shouting inputs at you at the same time with the expectation that you'll be able to come to an accurate conclusion based on all of those inputs that are being screamed at you within seconds, right? Sounds impossible. I think so. It gives me an anxiety attack. But that's really what AI and ML is really good at, is taking vast amounts of data, a lot of inputs, um, and, and, and filling in those gaps. So not only that, but it's able to recognize patterns in the data itself and fill in the gaps in the data or missing context by knowing things like market A behaves similarly to market B. So even without any specific data about market B, it can make some assumptions and, and apply those assumptions to still reach a very accurate conclusion. So I think we're going to continue to see applications for AI and ML increase in our industry in an effort to drive more efficiency and automating the lower hanging fruit. Now, to be clear though, I'm not advocating automation for the sake of eliminating the human function, right? It, it's just not sustainable, but rather to leverage AI and ML to automate the tasks that can be automated like pricing and leverage the human capital to work on more value added tasks than the things that computers aren't good at, like building relationships and illogical decisions because we all know that logistics can actually be quite illogical at time. Um, so it's not just about the automation. If that's not where you are at as a company, fine. Um, but think about it as being able to arm your newest reps, your, your least experienced reps with the same knowledge and decision-making ability as your more experienced reps, right? And you can improve the productivity or transactions per rep you know, of everybody, not just your more junior team members, but your your senior members as well, and leverage those more experienced senior team members for more strategic activities, again, like building better relationships and, and troubleshooting. For sure. I mean, you see the opportunities to you know, spend less time as a worker on routine tasks and more on managing by exception, dealing with, you know, these uh, unusual events and the unexpected, which of course always comes up in transportation. Uh, so you're really focusing on customer service uh, rather than uh, just kind of the, the grunt work, perhaps, uh, of, of, uh, of the routine tasks. And that really does open it up uh, you know, greatly for people to work more efficiently, you know, without replacing the need for, for back office workers, uh, of course. 100%. Yep. Yeah. 
And, you know, I, I want to go back to another topic you, you mentioned earlier, and that's this idea of strengthening carrier broker relationships. And I think that that's been a, you know, a, a good theme uh, kind of coming out of the pandemic here. Uh, so I want to just dive a little bit deeper into that. You know, what kind of opportunities do you see for technology and data to really help carriers and brokers work together more efficiently in a way that really benefits everyone? Yeah. So one of the really cool things that we're seeing with our customers is the ability to help them not only price better on a transactional basis, but to use the data that's the byproduct of these transactional optimization problems to help them create better pricing strategies and really a portfolio, we call it a carrier portfolio management program, if you will. For example, if a customer can see the lanes or markets where they're buying freight better than the market, they can then arm their sales team with that information to go win more business in those markets where they're buying better and therefore make more margin on those. Conversely, if they can easily see where they're buying worse than the market, they can then arm their carrier reps with that data to go establish stronger carrier relationships there, new carriers or, you know, again, establishing a, a program or a portfolio with the carrier relationships they already have. And if they're able to see where a market is trending days in advance, they can easily adjust the amount instead of in arrears, right? What happened three days ago or, you know, but what's the trend going forward? They're able to easily adjust the amount of freight that they'll accept in those areas before it becomes a problem, right? Before capacity has already crunched or before the rates have gone through the roof and they're losing margin on it. So we also recently uh, announced a partnership with Freight Friend, and this is just one example of our partnerships, but that includes a bi-directional integration between our products. So on the green screen side, a user can not only see the suggested pricing information from a lane, but also their top carriers that have been moving that lane for them. And they can see there the carrier's match score from Freight Friend in green screen. So if they wanted to see more carriers on the Freight Friend side, they can just link directly over to there. But with this integration, it also allows them to have a dialogue with a carrier about bundling lanes together, which is a win-win for both sides, right? So maybe the carrier can't take the lane that you initially contacted them about, but hey, I also have these other seven lanes that you're a match for. Can you take any one of these? But I would say if we you know, go and look even a little bit further in the future, I think that we have a huge opportunity to reform and remake the way we do procurement in, in our industry and make it a more iterative, more collaborative process overall, where that involves, you know, sharing forecasts over multiple time periods, um, where, you know, further out in the time horizon, there may be more soft commitments on price and capacity. But as we continually adjust those forecasts and we get closer to the time of execution, those forecasts are more solid and we can iterate through to getting a firm commitment closer to the time of execution. From time to time, an issue commands so much of the industry's attention that it requires a deeper dive, a resource readers can turn to, a transport topic special report. We're turning our attention to another big issue, electrification and the key factors that will drive this industry trend. In every case, we're working to provide our readers with information, analysis, and clarity on key issues confronting fleets. One comprehensive resource packed with insights that can give you the edge. Transport Topics invites you to learn more about our special reports. To reserve your copy of the latest special report, visit ttn.ws forward slash electrification.
in recent years, you know, one of the um, big topics we've heard, especially looking at freight brokerage has been uh, various forms of digital freight matching, uh, you know, ways to streamline transactions and automate manual processes. You know, we've been uh, touching this uh, on this uh, uh, during this conversation as well, of course, but, you know, just how much growth potential do you see for digital freight matching uh, to simplify the movement of freight? You know, how automated can we get? I see this as a huge opportunity for the industry. So I just talked about a, a couple minor examples of that, but Really, I think what's been missing to this point in, you know, the solving the digital freight matching problem is a solid, accurate source of price, right, to support that. You need to get the price right in order for DFM to work. And with AI and ML-based pricing, like we have at Green Screens, that's becoming more possible, right? So we are working with multiple partners, not only on the supply and carrier sourcing side, but also on the quote automation side with the green screens rates being the glue, if you will, that ties together the supply and the demand, right? Demand being the customers, supply being the carriers, and really giving a single version of truth from customer quote to carrier booking. Um, I I will caution though, I don't think that DFM is is really a, a one size fits all strategy, nor can it easily just be implemented big bang, right? I think it needs to be more pro programmatic. And and I don't mean programmatic as in computer programming. I mean programmatic in that you need to be selective about which freight and which partners are candidates for digital freight matching versus which freight is tendered direct versus which is posted and so on, right? You need to establish a program with specific partners as to how it's going to work. So it's not just the technology piece. It's also the program management around it because we have heard some nightmare stories about how carriers even in the most efficient DFM process will sometimes begin to ignore a lot of that automated matching because they're seeing the same loads come across on multiple platforms or methods and it appears to be spam. So so they're just ignoring it. So all of that needs to be managed very, very carefully. But I think the technology is there. And, And I think, you know, the piece is, again, tying it together with a really solid, accurate source of pricing. Sure. Well, it'll be very fascinating to, to watch that develop in, in the years ahead. You know, the recent years have been very interesting with all the investment and in, in tech startups uh, and uh, as well as uh, brokers large and medium size and small uh, all dipping their toes into this. Uh, but I want to talk a little bit more about, um, you know, the market going forward. You know, of course, looking back to 2021, it was just a banner year for 3PLs, uh, really strong freight demand and uh, tight truck capacity. Uh, you know, we put together a, a list of the uh, largest 3PLs in North America each year at Transport Topics, and you know, just going over the the revenue numbers, it was pretty clear just how um, in demand the services of 3PLs were uh, a year ago. But you know, as you mentioned, as we move deeper into 2022, the market has been turning, uh, capacity has loosened up. So, how is this changing the way that 3PLs are thinking about business opportunities and freight pricing? And you know, what will it take for companies to adapt to that shift in the market? Yeah. Uh, well, again, I'll, I'll say again, this is a cycle. We've, we've been here before, right? Um, and I think there are many companies who actually may not change the way they think. Um, and some, some will survive that, some will not. But I think that, you know, it's going to become a have versus have not or a win versus lose situation to remain competitive. Um, I think that logistics of the future needs to support more dynamic and responsive processes. 
that can not only be achieved through leveraging and sharing data and, again, automating the tasks that can be automated by using your human capital on more strategic things and collaborative programs and things like that, where our carrier reps and customer reps almost become more relationship-focused than transactional as they are today. So I, I, I think I see a shift in the skill set or maybe the mindset of, of the the staffing, right, in a lot of these organizations. Um, and I've talked several times today about more collaboration with carriers um, than I've talked about shippers today, but I think it needs to happen on both sides, right? It's, it's not just carriers telling shippers what they want or vice versa. Um, I think it, it's everybody needs to sit at the table and say, how can I help you, right? How can we succeed together? Um, post and pray is not likely going to be a winning strategy going forward. Um, but I really think dynamic pricing and carrier and customer portfolio management really needs to be the focus for all logistics com- companies going forward so that they can withstand these ups and downs. And when they happen, because they will happen, they are hopefully less disruptive than you know what we've seen over the past 18 to 24 months and certainly in, in previous cycles. You know, big picture, uh, you know, as we mentioned before, there's been a great deal of investment in technologies and software applications, whether you're carrier, uh, 3PL, um, and of course, many new um, software and technology uh, developers have entered the industry. But one of the challenges that companies often encounter as they invest in technology is connecting all those systems so the information doesn't sit in these separate silos. So at, at Green Screens, how do you think about integrating with your customers other IT investments, you know, including their, their TMS systems? Yeah, so thank you for this question because this is a huge part of our strategy. And, uh, you know, at Green Screens, we believe that price and people are what connects the supply and the demand. And I've said that a couple times here today. And our approach is to partner with leading tech companies that really understand the, the power and the value of a connected ecosystem to help really revolutionize the digital evolution of our industry, right? Um, The TMS will remain the operating system of brokers and 3PLs and and shippers. So through our TMS partner integrations, we work together to not only ensure that the data is flowing seamlessly between the systems, but also to have the full green screens experience within a user's existing systems and workflow, right? So they're not constantly needing to context switch or switching systems to complete a transaction, right? Put everything at the fingertips of the user. Um, Beyond the TMS, it's, you know, with our data and integration partners like quote automation and capacity sourcing and matching and procurement, um, that's how we're really connecting the supply and the demand and through price transparency, right? So we're working with several providers in the areas of, again, quote automation and, and sourcing to enable that truly dynamic quote to booking process. I think that the TMS of the future, and I spent 20 years of my career in product strategy for TMS, and I'm, I'm guilty of, of a lot of these things, but I think going forward, the TMS of the future is really less about having a feature-rich application that is all things to all people and checks all the boxes, but rather an open operating platform that focuses on data governance and security and workflow and things like that with the ability to then seamlessly connect with task-oriented, specialized, best-of-breed services that will enable a very rich end-to-end process. And it also gives 
the TMS customer, whether it's a shipper, or broker, or carrier, or 3PL, some optionality, right? Because, you know, if I can plug in a parade or a freight, fra- you know, have multiple choices of what those task-specific um, specialized applications are, as, as a customer, I have more optionality and more flexibility to do that. Yeah. Um, and it's just uh, more and more companies to, to build these integrations with and connections. And uh, it's just a constantly uh, evolving uh, piece of the transportation industry. I mean, I can, I've been covering the, the technology beat in, in trucking for a little over a decade. And it's amazing how much has changed and how many new players have jumped in, uh, as well as how some existing companies and existing players have grown uh, over the years. But uh, before I let you go, Don, uh, I want to end on a kind of a future uh, forward-looking kind of question. Uh, so, you know, I'd just like to hear a little bit more on your thoughts on on the future of logistics and, and supply chain management. So when you look 10 years from now, how do you envision shippers and 3PLs and carriers interacting? You know, how will that change compared to what we see today? Yeah. So I think, again, the past couple of years have shown us the importance of a resilient supply chain, right? And how strategic transportation is to that, or rather how not having a solid transportation strategy is a strategic disadvantage. And again, my hope, and and I see signs that this is the case, is that we've learned from this experience and that we start working towards transportation being more inclusive and, and collaborative. And if you give me a, a minute here, I think in order to look ahead in the future, 10 years, I need to look back 15, um, where, you know, I was at one time a co-chair of the VIC's Collaborative Transportation Management Committee, right? And at that time, while my counterparts in other VIC's committees um, in other parts of the supply chain were working to establish standards for collaborative demand forecasting and fulfillment practices through things like CPFR and things like that that are really well entrenched in, in our industry now, we could never really seem to get past collaboration in transportation being things like automated tendering and ASNs and track and trace almost all through EDI, right? Um, and it was kind of frustrating, right? Um, so I, I've always thought that transportation was ripe for more collaborative forecasting and procurement practices. But frankly, I think until very recently, there were three things missing. Number one was the, uh, the ability to truly aggregate and democratize data, right? Um, number two is the trust in the data and, and really trust in your constituents and your partners in the supply chain to safely handle that data. Um, and third is that the technologies really just wasn't there yet. If you think about demand forecasting and going back 10 or 15 years, some of those old demand forecast models could literally take days to run. And, and in transportation, we just don't have the time to do that. So I think we're there today, right? I think the silos are coming down. People are more aware of the value of aggregating and democratizing data, trusting in the data, and that the technology has evolved to the point with things like AI and ML that we can get to um, a more collaborative transportation management process that isn't using EDI and ASNs and electronic tendering, but one that is really more inclusive. So I think collaborative transportation time has finally come. And I I think that we're going to see more and more definition coming to that, you know, in, in the coming months and, and years and what that means. Yeah. Well, hey, Don, you know, really appreciate you uh, 
joining us and, and sharing your insights. You know, I think we've reached a, a good stopping point here, but thanks again for, for coming on and uh, it'll be fascinating to watch uh, your company uh, in years ahead. And uh, you know, I think that, uh, you know, you're, you're absolutely right that, uh, you know, technology in the transportation industry is, is certainly not slowing down. You know, there's so much more opportunity ahead of us. So thanks again. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. Did you know you can ask Alexa to open transport topics? In just one minute, you will hear the biggest trucking headlines of that day. Be prepared and start your morning off right with transport topics. Before we close, let's take a moment to revisit our original question. How can 3PLs use technology to better navigate freight market volatility? As we've heard from our guests, improved freight rate intelligence and better management of capacity can help freight brokers operate more efficiently. Those tools can also help 3PLs build stronger partnerships with their carriers. Improved market visibility can ultimately translate to more trust between business partners and further streamline the movement of freight. With lingering supply chain disruptions continuing to hinder the flow of goods, it has become even more crucial for 3PLs and carriers to work together to solve challenges and reduce efficiencies. If you've enjoyed this episode of Road Signs, please let others know Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If my questions have sparked questions of your own, share them with me and the Road Signs team. You can email us at share at ttnews.com. We'll read them and respond daily. And of course, we'll be back in two weeks with a fresh episode of Road Signs. Until then, I'm Seth Clevenger. Thank you for listening.